0: Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good afternoon, everyone. It is Monday, January the 30th, 2023. It is currently 4 p.m. Central time, and I'm coming to you live from the Theology Central studio located right here in Abilene, Texas. Let's talk about church. Let's let's talk about church. All right. I, I, I have a lot of things to say before we get to an actual news article. I was here in the studio, just kind of sitting here trying to go, what do I want to do today? I want to get something accomplished uh, and just kind of, you know, struggling with, you know, what to do. And then all of a sudden I get a notification, look down, it's a news article and it's a news article dealing with church attendance. And as soon as I started looking at the article, I'm like, okay, I'll turn on the microphone We will talk about it, but I just, I'm just going to kind of do a stream of consciousness here. Just a lot of things that are on my mind about church. I had a conversation today about church and, and once again, even though that really wasn't the main point of the conversation, it really, you know, why, why am I getting up in the morning and driving to church? What am I going to church for? and i think that there's a a lot of things to consider here so let me ask you a question let me i'll try to start with a question why do you go to church why do you go to church i think some people would say i go to church because they believe that it's a scriptural command it's a mandate forsake not the fellowship right for, forsake not the fellowship for for forsake not you know coming together as a body of believers i think that many feel like it's a command. So they are going in order to be obedient, right? Hey, the, forsake not the assembly of yourselves together, as is the manner of some. Don't, don't forsake that assembling yourself together. Don't forsake that fellowship. Don't forsake that coming together. So I have to go, I have to find a place and I have to go. So some people just see it as I show up on a Sunday, I show up Sunday night, I show up Wednesday, whatever the case may be. And whether it whether they consciously say this, there's kind of a subconscious idea. I obeyed scripture. I'm doing what a Christian is supposed to do. I'm doing the right thing. So for some, I think it's just a matter of obedience. For others, and I know many would say this is not true in any way, shape, or form, I think they go more for, and I hate the word, but they go more for community. It's more of a, it's something about being around other people, community, friendship, relationship, I, there's just, they like they like that whole concept. They like talking to people, meeting people. Maybe they like Sunday school. Maybe they like the small groups. Maybe they like the activities. There's something they just feel a part of something. It gives them some sense of identity. It gives them some sense of relationship, some sense of community. We, we Well, if you listen to today's focus, maybe that, that fits in with those hierarchy of needs, right? Maslow's hierarchy of needs there's a there's a need that's being met it's more of an emotional need it's a it's a mental need it's a it's something to feel a part of 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 something so some people go i think because of obedience but i think some people go because there's some kind of emotional need that's being met and 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 a lot of people will become very unhappy with church if that emotional component's not there if they don't feel Connected. If they don't feel a part of something, they will become very unhappy. They, and 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 typically, what they will do instead of just acknowledging, I want to feel a part of a community. I want to get to know people. I want to do things together. I want to live life with these people. They're looking for some kind of a relationship. Many times, when they're not happy with that. Instead of just acknowledging it, they have to find a doctrinal issue. They gotta find, oh, you have a wrong doctrine. You have wrong tea. I'm leaving, right? And it, but the reality is you're leaving because you want this community concept. You want this, this relationship aspect to it. You want to belong to something. You want this sense of belonging. And I, I, and whether that's right or wrong, the point is, I think Christians just have to admit that. Look, it doesn't matter what you teach doesn't matter how you teach. The reality is I'm not going to be happy here until you give me the community, the relationships, the friendships, the, the activities. Until you, and But many don't want to say that because they feel like that that's coming across being unspiritual. But it's better just to be honest. Like what I want in a church is a sense of community, of family, of belonging, of togetherness. I want relationship. I need this emotionally. I'm I'm, and I am not seeing this in a negative way. I'm codependent. I need this kind of thing. I need people right there with me and I got to get to know you and I, and I got to, we got to come over to your house and you got to come over to my house and we've got to get together because if that's not happening, then they feel like it's not church or it's just, they, they have to have it. That's okay. Just admit it. So for some people, they go because of a sense of obedience. For some, they go because there's like this connection they need. They long for it. They look for it. So I think that those are two reasons people go. A third reason people go is a lot of people go because they want to a sense of worship. And this can show up in two really drastic different ways. Some people want to go to a place where they feel a sense of transcendence from the architecture of the building. They they want, they want want it to be very reverent. They want it to be they want it to feel like church. They want the robes. They want the candles. They want the liturgy. They want the architecture. They want, they want this building that looks, that points them somewhere away from the earth. There's something, they want that feeling, something of transcendence, something of worship in a sense, almost to feel small and that this is bigger than we are. And they, they like the liturgy. They like, they like all of that. So they may be more drawn to a liturgical kind of church because they're looking for this sense of transcendence. They want to a big cathedral. They don't want just a, a small little place with a pulpit, a, like a, a little chapel. They want a cathedral. They want the large cross. They want the bells. They want the incense. And it may not even be about a theological issue it just there's something about the feeling of that and i can relate to that right i love walking into a uh um i i i love that sense like uh, give pl- give me midnight 1 in the morning and let me walk into just an empty large cathedral church maybe there's the the crucifix up there and it just i'll just i can sit there all night, and I love that feeling. There is something I am drawn to that. There, I am definitely drawn to that. There's no question about it. Now, I may not like the theology, so that's why I don't go, but I do like just there's something about it, at least from a, an external perspective. So I think some people, that's why they go to church. They like that feeling of transcendence. Others find a sense of transcendence, not so much in the cathedral, not so much in the architecture, they find it in praise and worship, right? They want 40 minutes of the lights dimmed down, hands raised to the sky, you know, maybe the, the, they, they, they bring it down to acapella or, you know, they sing a, a praise song, you know, the chorus 74 times. I know I'm being a, a little hyperbolic there. And uh, maybe maybe someone will read a scripture or someone's like, do you feel his presence? And that gives them a sense of transcendence. Like they, they're they not as interested in the doctrine of it. And but I think that goes in both ways. Those who may like the robes and the liturgy and the architecture, they still may be longing for transcendence more than they're looking for doctrine or theology. But I think many who find themselves in more of a, a completely opposite theological context over here with the big praise and worship, the stage, the lights, they're looking for an, ex- maybe we could call this, they're looking for an experience. So maybe we could say some are looking for transcendence. Some are looking for experience. Maybe that would be more accurate, right? Some go to church for uh, because of obedience. Some go because they're longing for Relationship or community. Some go because they want to experience some level of transcendence. And maybe some go because they want an experience. They don't want to learn about God. They want to experience God. They want to feel God. They want to feel his presence. They want to, they want to feel him inhabiting the praises that are being sung. They, they want to have the emotion. They want to cry. They want to laugh. They want to dance. Whatever the case may be, they want an experiential. Some people go out of obedience. Some people go because they want friends and community. Some go because they want transcendence. And some go because they want an experience. Now, that's a lot of different reasons people go. And that's a lot of different. And and when you have that many people going for so many different reasons, one, it's going to draw them to very different kinds of churches. And two, it can be very quick for them to say, well, then, I'm going to go somewhere else because that's what I want. I understand that. What I wish is that when Christians do that, there could be more of an acknowledgement of the, I like, I like raw honesty, right? Don't come to me and say, you're teaching this and I don't like it. When in five seconds, I can look at you and go, it has nothing to do with what I'm teaching. You want the activities, you want the programs, you want the community, you want to sit around a campfire singing Kumbaya. That's what you want. Just say that's what you want and go get it. Don't come at me with some supposed theological controversy when we know that's what you want. And then typically it, it will it will come out that that's what the, and that's what they go get and then they talk about how happy they are. Of course you're happy. You found the YMCA. You found a community. You found a I don't know a support group. Whatever it is, great. But th- that leads to lots of different kinds of churches. Now there may be another reason there. Right? We have obedience. We have kind of a relationship. We have transcendence. We have experience. Now, but I do think. There are some individuals, and I know this to be true, who we don't care about all of that. Now, we may love, we may would love to experience the transcendence, maybe. Maybe there's some other things there we would love. But our primary reason to go, because I want to hear this opened, it's a Bible, I wanted to hear it expounded, and I want them to actually live and breathe and struggle with the text so that I can try to understand it. I don't want three points. I don't want to, I don't want to program. I just want actually like, we're going to work through this text and no matter, and we're going to worry about all the difficulties just to really embrace a study of the word of God and a very in depth and real way, not not like, oh, here's, here's the sermon, but here's the text. Let's struggle with it. Some people long for that. Those are radically different reasons. Some people for obedience, some people for community, some people for transcendence, some people for experience, and some people for the text. We want to learn God's word. We love the study of God's word. We want to learn it. We want to know church history. We want to know theology. We want to know doctrine. And we want to know what the scripture actually says. We don't want you to go through the text in 15 minutes. We don't want you to cover 15 verses in 30 minutes. We want to live and breathe that text. To walk through it. To struggle with it. To be willing to acknowledge the difficulties in it. And to be able to struggle with the questions that are presented from it. Now the problem is. The people who want that are going to be very different than the people who want the other things. And again, this this is why certain people go to certain churches. But this creates a problem. Everyone who walks through the front door of a church, they all want different things. They all have different expectations. And pastors of churches... It, and 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 I hate this to be true but they get caught into this kind of world like okay what do we do what do we do what do we do what do we do we got to find the audience and then and typically what happens is the church and I I oh I hate to say this but there's truth to it the church becomes a place that is more focused on, and, I, and everyone says it's not true. No, 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 no. It's not true. It's not true. We don't care about numbers. We don't, but give me a break. Everyone cares about numbers. They do. They do. People, if you're a small church, people look down on you. It's just okay. Something's wrong there. Something's not right there. And then they'll turn around and say, but numbers doesn't determine anything. But they trust me. They look at a small church with few people with a, with a, a great suspicion there's something wrong there's a problem the spirit's not moving god's not doing anything there that place is dead and they will they they will offer all of their criticisms even though they say it's not about numbers they will literally talk as if it's about numbers so the church really becomes a a never ending program a never ending program trying to find the latest method, the latest system, the latest idea in order to continue to track people and build those numbers. So the church really becomes more about how to get people through the door, how to keep them interested, how to keep them coming back, how to keep them focused, how to keep them preoccupied with the things that will keep them showing up, how to keep them from being distracted. And so it's like everything is becomes very manufactured everything becomes a strategy okay we got to do this and then we have to do this and we need to change our preaching here and we need to do this series but it's, it's all like there's a there's a purpose in everything beyond just the study of God's word like it stops being a place where we come together as sinners to hear the word of God preached and to struggle through the Christian life it becomes more about, okay, what's our strategy for 2023? What's our strategy for 2024? And no, no matter how spiritually sounding the strategy is, in other words, the strategy may sound, we, we will always wrap it up in the most spiritual sounding language, right? How to make disciples, how to give people mission. How, it, it, we sound, we make it sound spiritual, but if you really strip all the layers back, it's about how to get people involved in small groups, how to get them to attend church, how to get, it's about getting them involved by keeping them in, in the, in the machine, how to keep them in this never ending cycle of church. Everything it's, it's, it, we, we say that it's to move them on in their spiritual life. But what we mean by that is that it's to get them more involved. To get them involved in this program or this activity or this group, because the more we get them involved, then the more they're a part of the, of the machine. And then they are a critical tool of keeping the machine going, right? The more involved and the more they attend, a greater chance, the more they will give, which keeps the church going. So the church almost has to spend more time focusing on how to come up with pr- programs. And, and we disguise it as something spiritual when all it is, it's another marketing program. It's another strategy to get people involved. We're going to change the preaching. Why? To keep people involved. We're going to do this. Why? To keep people involved. But even in the preaching, sometimes it's not really about the text. It's to say, if we preach this way, our overall agenda is to move them from an attender To a participate, someone participating, and we'll get them plugged in into this group or this group, or we'll get them involved in this, because if we can get them involved, they will stay. Now, once the church descends into that, what does the church become? It's like, it's like the, the church is the machine, Right? The church is the machine. And, the, and what we have to do is constantly ensure that we have what's needed to keep the machine going. And what do we need to keep the machine going? We need people. So people become more of a looked upon as a tool in order to keep the machine going. And so we've got to be creative and we've always got to have this, all right, our strategy for this year. Now we say it's spiritual. But I wonder if sometimes it's not as spiritual as we pretend that it is. Just as the people sometimes won't be honest about what they really want in church. Sometimes the church won't be honest why they really want the people. Some people in the pew, they want the church to be this and this and this. In many cases, it's not very godly. It's not very spiritual. And many times the church wants the people, and no matter how much they try to say it's for godly reasons and they care and they love the people, they need the people to keep the machine operating, to keep it going, to keep the bills go, being paid, to, to maintain that building, that structure, that organization. And so when it's all said and done, all of it becomes very carnal, becomes very fleshly from the pew to the pulpit. And it stops just becoming a place where people walk in and open a Bible and like, let's dig in. Let's dig in together the word of God. Oh, we may sing a song or two, but we're not going to make that the focus. Yes, we may pray, right? Yes, we may partake of the the Lord's Supper or, or baptism when appropriate. But our focus is right here. No agenda, no program, no method, no tricks. Just this is the place where we study God's word. And I wonder how frequently that's just not the case. So many times when you start like, especially if you listen to sermons online, you'll just kind of go, oh, okay, okay. The sermon series is just an agenda to get people into the small groups. This is just to get people involved supposedly in mission, which is to get them plugged into the church. Is the never-ending job of the church just to keep replacing the people so that we maintain enough people so that we can maintain the the organization? Now, the reason I'm bringing up this question is, as I just said a little while ago at the beginning, Open up my iPad here. Um, A little while ago, I got this uh, notification on my iPad. Why your church has to replace 32% of its attendance every year. Why your church has to replace 32% of its attendance every year. Now that, if that's true, that you've got to replace 32% of your attendance every year, then that turns the church into this never-ending cycle. We got to try this. We got to try this. We got to try this. So sometimes even the preaching is really, it's not about the preaching. It's all a part of a program because we got to get the attendance. We got to maintain. We got to, ma- or we got to grow or whatever we have to do. This is what the article says. Let's start with a scenario that your church has an average worship attendance of 100. I use that number of simplicity. The median worship attendance is 65. So 65 is the median. Now, let me ask a simple question. How many attendees do you have to add to your attendance in a year to stay even? So how many people do you have to add each year just to stay even? Just to stay even, how many people do you have to add? The answer for a typical church is 32 with a worship attendance of 100. You can double the number to 64 if the church attendance is 200. So if you're a church of 100, you've got to, you have to add 32 every year just to stay even. Now, this just becomes Almost like an assembly line. It just becomes like, what are we doing? If you've got to spend all of your time trying to make sure that we can replace, we can add 32 so that we can maintain a hundred, and this is probably where I, I'm trash as a pastor. I'm not good at this. Um, I, I've always been like, "You want to learn the Bible? Come to my church. The end. No, no promotion. I mean, just if you want to learn the Bible, that, that's just, that's what we're that's all we have to offer you. And I tell people when they if they ever get ready to join my church, look, I just want to make sure you know I have nothing else to offer you. Right? Have no. There's no programs. There's no there's no agenda, there's there's just nothing. All I have to offer you is I'll do my best at every time you're here to teach to the best of my ability. And we're going to struggle with the text together, and we're going to deal with controversial issues, and I'm not afraid to change my theology, but we're going to pursue truth at all costs. There's no plan, there's no agenda, there's no program, there's no nothing. I don't have anything else to offer you. That's it. If you're looking for activities, programs, this is the wrong place for you. Now, some, a lot of times I get that, yeah, this is what I want. And then they leave and go get exactly the opposite of what I said that all my, yeah. A lot of people think that sounds good until they don't have all of that other stuff and they want that, but I, I don't pay attention like, okay, guys, we've got to get 32 new people to maintain our number. I, I don't do that. I don't. I don't know if I want to be in that business. They go on to say, did you get that? A church has to increase the number of attendees by 32% just to stay even. And a church with 100 in attendance... An additional 32 attendees would have to be added to stay even, and they would have to attend every Sunday. If they, if they attend every other Sunday, the church would need an additional 64 attendees. Where have all the church attendees gone? Let's look at four important components. Now we know there's all kinds of articles been talking uh, lately about church attendance down, church attendance down, church. I mean, church attendance has plummeted across all denominational lines and theological streams. And there's no way to get around the reason why. I mean, there's just no way to get around the reason why. Everybody, I mean, whether churches wanted to or not, didn't want to, whether you think it's a good idea or a bad idea, all churches had to go live streaming because of the pandemic. You can say, well, they should have stayed. O-. We could have that fight all day. But guess what? Whether people, I don't care, even people who went to churches that stayed, ho- stayed open, they became far more aware that now they could sit at home and watch services. They became far more aware of that. And a lot of them was like, well, why, why go? Why go? And not only that, why go? Now, this is important. Why go? If going, either you're going just out of obedience, but if going is not giving you what you're looking for, and I tend to feel I could be wrong, I could be wrong, the people who want the sense of transcendence, they need the architecture. They need the building. They need the building. They need the robes. They, so they're going to have to go. The people who want experience, they feel like they're going to have to go most likely. They need to be in there with the praise band, with the lighting. They need to be there. So I think those are gonna Now, even though those churches may decrease in number, but the people who do go, I don't think that, they, they, that streaming would necessarily work for them in a meaningful way. But for those of us who just want good and those who want community, they're clearly gonna go because they wanna be, they wanna, you know, sit there and talk to people and have coffee and eat donuts and have a potluck or whatever they want to do. They they gotta be with people. I mean, they can't survive if they're not without people, right? So they're gonna go. But I think it's that group of people who just like, all I want is a place that I can study God's word. Well, you know, I and I look. You can say that I'm sinful. You can say that I'm a a piece of trash. But here's the reality. There's been plenty of times when I lived in Nebraska, especially Wednesday nights. Wednesday nights was the thing that killed me. Worked all day in the military, get home. Before I know it, I got to get ready. I got to take off the uniform, get dressed, drive all the way to church. And I would get to church for what? What? And I know this is going to sound unspiritual, and I know you're going to condemn me, but I'm just, i look, I always say I'm a sinner in front of a microphone, so I'm just going to be real. I drive all the way to church for a 15-minute devotional, and then 30 minutes of prayer requests for Aunt... Aunt Bertha's ingrown toenail. I mean, you know, typically it was just like so-and-so's got back pain. So-and-so's got a lot of stuff. And then, of course, it's all the, hey, I work with someone who's an alcoholic who's, you know, doing this or has an. And it's like, why am I hearing all of these horrible things about people? But then we give the prayer request. Now, I'm not there. Obviously, there were times there were serious prayer requests. Then everyone breaks off into little groups and we pray. Now, I know what you're saying. Well, that's a good thing. It may be, but it just felt like, well, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. First of all, the prayer request could have just been sent out, right? They could have been. Um, and I came this way for 15-minute devotional that I probably heard better preaching and got more in-depth preaching on the drive to church while I was listening to a sermon. And <laughs> you say, well, that's a horrible way of thinking. So I think people who tend to like, I want the teaching— I can see why they would be like, well, why go? Especially if you can't find the teaching. So we, we, we've got something. So numbers are down. There's just no way to get around it. They look at these factors. Here's the reason they look at it. First, I say component number one is death. The death rate in the United States is 1.0 people per 100 population. The death rate is likely higher in churches since many congregations have an aging membership. Well, the reason you got to replace is people are going to die. But just hear that. Does that just sound to you so wrong? Oh, man. Hey, we got to get 32 people this year. We've got to get 32 more new people to maintain the number. Why? Well, come on. See that pew over there, right there? Look, three pews up to the right. Some old people sitting over there. They're going to die. we got to find their replacement now. Isn't that just so fleshly? Like, I, that, all right. Next, moving out of the community. The mobility rate in the United States was 9.3% in 2020. The good news is that the rate of mobility is declining. It almost reached 20% in 1985. Many of the moves are considered local, but most of them still move out of the church's community. So a lot of reasons people have to move. Now, I, I, my church was far more a military church when I was in the military because I would get to work with people, know people, and people started coming to my church. And so at one point, you know, man, we had that place packed out. The church was packed out. And then PCS, PCS, a permanent change of station. They move, 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 they move. And then you look around like, what happened to the church? That was no church split, no fights, no disagreement. They just moved. And then you're kind of like, what are you doing? Well, once I was no longer in the military, right? Right. I wasn't there to meet new people. And like, you know, I, I, a lot of the church was based on the people I was meeting and the people who were coming to church because of, of me. So um, once I was no longer there, <laughs> and you say, because that's a far, to me, that's a far easier way of getting, like working with people, getting to know them. And then we start talking. That's, it just worked out so much easier than that way. But all right. So people move. Number three, transfer to another church in the community. The number is not precise as the previous two because it's based on the churches where we have this information. Typically churches we consult. We think our estimate of 7% is close. In other words, your church will lose seven church members to another local church for every 100 in attendance. So every year around seven people will leave your church to go to another church. That's a reality. It's not a pleasant reality. It's not, and it can be hard for a pastor because you're working, 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 working. And like, here it goes. And and usually you can tell it. You see it coming. You see it coming way. Look, you usually know it before the person knows it, right? You're like, they're they're gone. They're gone. You just know. You can just see them becoming unhappy with this or they're unhappy. And sometimes it'll start with a phone call and it'll be like, sometimes they're complaining about this and you're kind of like, so what do you want now? What do you want? What do you really? And sometimes they can't really verbalize it, right? I mean, I've been told you don't preach the gospel. I'm like, what in the world are you talking about, right? We did... (laughs) We've talked about justification, imputation, like a thousand times, like a million times. Okay. Then it's like, you're an antinomian. And then it's, it's like, so what, what is that? What, what's the issue? Right. And then like, well, I think we need to do more together. Okay. What do you want to do more together? What do you want? Well, I just think we need to get together. Okay. So let me get this right. I can't even get everyone to show up for every church service, but you want me to now plan an additional get together. We, I can't even get people to show up Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday. But you now need an additional get-together for what? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? Are we going to study the Bible or are we just getting together to hang out and have food? What? what, what? And sometimes they could not. Why? Because they wanted, they needed fellowship. They needed activity. Even though they said that they wanted a place that focused on teaching, they needed this other component. But they can never really verbalize exactly how it was supposed to work. So do we have small groups? Well, I mean, we're already kind of sm- Like... But I mean, usually you can just tell the beginning, the beginning of the end is near. Now, here is my view of it. I have a very, very, some people may believe it's a wrong view, but here's my view. You want to leave. I, there's no pressure. There's no, I don't, I don't, I don't argue. I don't beg. I don't plead. I don't try to convince. I'm like, okay, just go, just go. I, I don't come bothering you. You're free to go. You're free to come in. You're free to go. Why? Because I know that in many cases, either one, you got to put pressure on people that keeps them stay. That's not fair. Number two, or you have to give in to try to meet their demands to give them what they want. That's the beginning of the end because then they just then they feel like they can just demand more and more and more. Or three, you just prolong the inevitable. They're already unhappy and they'll stick around, but then their, their their frustration will just grow. Sometimes you're like, look, the easiest thing for you to do is just go ahead right now. Let me just go ahead and I'll carry your Bible to the car. Let me just help you in. Goodbye. And here you go. I'll give you the name of other churches you can go to that are completely opposite of everything you said you wanted when you came here. Right? So, but that, but once again, you just see that, that, Every year, seven people are going to leave. Every year, seven people are going to leave to just go to a church right across the street or down the street, a block away. And you're just like, what do you, what do, you do about that? What do you do about that? As a pastor, either you, you become so preoccupied with that, like, hey, all right, seven of you are going to leave this year. I need to get seven more to replace you. Like, do you, I don't like that. It feels like I'm doing business. It doesn't feel like a church. Number four, declining attendance frequency. We estimate that the attendance frequency is down about 15% in the U.S., uh, is down about 15% per year in U.S. churches. For example, if a church had 100 members who attend every Sunday, the average attendance would be, uh, okay, for example, if a church had 100 members who attended every Sunday, the average attendance would be 100 if all those members attended every other week, the average attendance would be 50 or a decline of 50%. Declining attendance frequency frequency is the number of one factor in churches decline in the United States. Please hear that. Why are churches declining? <laughs> People aren't showing up. And I look and, and, and just my church, I have never experienced that in the entire history of my church. Twenty something years, the same people were at Sunday school. Were the same people there who were Sunday morning? Were the exact same number there for Sunday night, and the exact same number there for Wednesday? Night. There was no variation. It was identical. Now, and it, and and it shocked us because our again our church in Nebraska. I mean, on a Sunday morning, what two three hundred people? And then on a Wednesday night you're downstairs in a semicircle and metal chairs with like 15 20 people you're like what happened we go from 300 to 15 what in the name of bubble gum just happened like how did this work well yeah so if you're a small church <laughs> if you're a small church and, and 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 sometimes you'll even hear it uh you'll even hear me now It'll be like Sunday school's ending. I'm like, okay, we have to end. I hear the cars pulling up. I hear people pulling up because we'll go from like almost no one there in Sunday school, boom. And then I'm not saying that we pack the place out right now, but all of a sudden it'll be pretty full for Sunday morning and then come back Sunday night. Whew, back to, and sometimes Sunday night's better than Sunday school. Sometimes, uh, well, right now, Sunday night probably is better than Sunday school. And then Wednesday night, we just don't know. I, I I just roll the dice on a Wednesday night. I don't ever know what's going to happen on a Wednesday. But- that, that, that's, that can be absolutely the death knell to some churches. So here is our summary. For every 100 persons in attendance in your church, you will lose each year one to death, nine to moving, seven to transfer, transfer, 15 to declining attendance and frequency. Now, here's what happens. So this is what a lot of churches will do. They'll get together. They'll have their little staff meeting. Like, okay, guys, we've got our church attendance. We're not getting consistency. We're not getting consistency. We've got to up the consistency. Either one, you just eliminate some services. Boom, right? You eliminate services so that then people have less choices, right? So they have to come, right? And then you don't have that weird thing. Two, they're like, we need a program. We need a program. We need a method. We need a strategy, we got to come up with an idea. And so then that pr- strategy and that program starts like, becoming the template for the preaching. So you really are not preaching the text. You're preaching the strategy. You're preaching the plan. Let's try to move people from a every other week to a, every week kind of, uh, of, of attendance. And that's why you do the sermon series. See, that's why now sermon series are the four to six weeks variety, right? Four to six weeks. So here's what you try to do. Look for the next four weeks. For the next six weeks, we're gonna be studying this and this is going to be the most transformative study you've ever and you hype it because hopefully you can commit people to stay there for four to six weeks and hopefully before that that fourth week happens or that six weeks happen, you're already now promoting the next series. And you do it with the hype videos. You do it, you know, you mail stuff out. And it's just like a never ending cycle of hype, 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 marketing, marketing, marketing to try to get. So people will try to fix it. But once again, the church stops becoming just a place where you come to learn and it becomes something else. And here's what happens. For those of us, and I'll, and I'll put me in this category, because I don't fit, look, when it comes to me for church, I, I, I don't fit into the first category so much like I show up for obedience. I do believe I'm supposed to be at church, but that's never really been my most motivating factor. It never really has been, right? Never has been. I, I, I am not one. I do love transcendence. I do love that concept. So if it was up to me, if, it, if, if, if we just threw out doctrine, I do like maybe the more liturgical, reverence, architecture, that. The experiential thing, uh, I'm not a big, big fan of that just because it becomes emotional base and uh, not, not a big fan of that. So that, that's never been much of an appeal to me. More the transcendence was much more, felt more real than the experiential always felt more fake and, and, and produced. I never cared one iota, one bit about the whole, oh community and meet people. And fr- I never cared about it. I didn't even understand that. I, I, my, 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 my view was I like, I can remember even being a teenager going, wait, so we're not having a sermon tonight for what? We're having an ice cream social. what are you talking about? Wait, we're cutting the sermon short so we can go eat. I'm like, I don't need you to give me food. I don't need you to give me ice. Like, I remember yelling and screaming with my pastor about this. Like, I didn't come to church for ice cream. I could stop by anywhere and get ice cream after church. I didn't come around to sit around to people talk about, Well, oh, went hunting last week and got a seven-point buck, and I got a new truck out front. You want to see? I, I don't care about your truck. I don't care about your deer. I don't care about any of that stuff. Like, and I know you can say that's horrible. I'm just being honest with you. I... I didn't get it when, when it'd be like, okay, we're having a youth event on Friday night. I'd be like, oh yeah, got my notebook, got my Bible. And they're like, we're playing lock-in. I'm like, what? we Are we doing a lock-in or we're playing capture the flag and we're doing a lock-in? Like, I don't want a lock-in so that I can play capture the flag. Let's do a lock-in and study Leviticus. No, okay, no. I never understood that whole like, ooh, I gotta go to church to find friends. I gotta go to church to, so that I have people. I gotta go to church so I'm near. I didn't understand that for one second. That always baffled me and confused me to know it. I know, I know what you're saying. You just hate people. No, I just, I look, I don't need the church to get, I don't, I don't need the church to give me my hookup to help me find a friend. I, I don't need that. I, I need the church to give me this. That was my understanding, so for me, I want the place where i 'm going to learn i 'm going to learn i 'm going to dig in we 're going to struggle we 're going to stumble we 're going to fumble we 're going to try to figure it out we 're going to, to un- we 're going to try to understand what in the world Tertullian was saying when he says that you know when uh, God created Adam out of the dust, well, that dust had moisture in it, so it was moist and juicy that 's the actual words from Totolian on baptism, and we can all laugh going. What in the world is he talking about? Because God created Adam from the dust. That's a picture of baptism. What in the world are you talking about, Tertullian, right? What are you talking about? See, that, that to me is fun, right? Digging into that kind of stuff. So for me, I, I've often said, if my church didn't stop existing, I don't know what I would do. And I know you say, you need to be a part of a local church, but what am I going to do? What am I going, what am I going to do? I don't know what I would do. I'm just being honest, especially in 2023. I mean, in 2020, I can just look, I can just go right here to the Edify Christian podcast app. I haven't looked at church one. Go to the Edify Christian podcast app. And just over the last few minutes, here's what's been sent to my, uh, this is what's been sent to my at the edify christian podcast app you ready denying ourselves the way of the cross what is uh, gnosticism rahab's faith the communication of attributes and scripture uh his coming glory new destiny extraordinary ordinary church covenants that's just in the last few minutes well i mean Why would I drive all the way to church if I'm like, what in the world? What is this? What? what oh, I don't know what this is. What did you do? I, I listened to a sermon on John chapter one. I think it's verses 19. Let me see here. Let me look at it. John chapter one. Um, I think it was verses 19 to 28. I think it was John chapter one. It may have been even uh, John chapter one, 19 the 34, I don't remember how far they went. The reason I don't know how far they went, they didn't really deal with the text. But I listened to that and I'm like, I don't know why anybody would drive to church for that. What was that? They didn't deal with the text in any way, shape or form. They didn't deal with anything at all. Someone uh, today was telling me about a sermon they heard in John, I believe chapter eight. And it was like, what has that got to do with the text? And the more I listened to it, I was just like, and, I, and you can say, well, you're being so picky. You're being so demand. And I understand we have to be careful with that. But at the same time, what's the point of driving all the way to someplace and you're like, that's it? That's what I got. Now, I know that they're, they're, that could be arrogant. I know that could be judgmental. And I know, But at the same time, what? why do we go to church? Now, this is what happens. The reason some of the preaching and teaching gets so destroyed is because the churches are worried about replacing that number. They're worried about replacing that that number. They are worried about, um, go back to the number, they're worried about replacing 32% of its attendance. They're worried about replacing that 17 people. They're worried about it. They're worried about it. So they have to, their, their preaching becomes more about how to get people involved and move people to mission or, or whatever they're trying to get people to. It's saying that it's spiritual, but but they're more worried about that than they are just like, all right, guys, here we go. All right. For the next hour, we're going to figure out what the Didache had to say about that. We're going to, we're going to figure out law and gospel and we're going to start with, and we're just going to, we're not care care about how produced it is. We're just going to struggle through it. Now I understand my way is not the right way. Because one, I'm not going to replace thirty two percent of our attendance every year. I've never done that, okay? maybe one or two years we we doubled the, the 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 percentage of attendance. okay, we did have some major years of growth but 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 i it was not because of a program or because of a plan so so i mean what what is the future of church? And I'll just throw out a theoretical. Other than for children. Now, in many cases, the children can be taken care of home. But children do like, well, but many, if you think of what many children get in Sunday school, it's more about, again, just friendships than it is learning anything. But let's just, I'm just going to throw out a a theoretical. And and I know I'm going to get some people mad, but I'm just going to throw this out. I wonder what would happen. I wonder what would happen if someone committed themselves to one local or to one online ministry. They listened to the Sunday school. They listened to Sunday morning. They listened to Sunday night. They listened to Wednesday. They participated. They communicated, you know, Back and forth, oh, we learned this, we learned this, what about this, what about that? They gave, they supported financially, the ministry, they were They were a part of it. Somehow that ministry would work with them to say, you know, hey, I'll, I'll you know, uh, a way to work around maybe doing the Lord's Supper, I don't know exactly how that, I'm not saying how that would work scripturally, but work, work it out. In other words, they would be partaking of it with the church. The church would be like, okay, you can partake with us, however we would work this, but let's just say you can pull it off. I wonder from a, just a practical perspective, what would be the spiritual benefits from that versus just going to a place to have a place where nothing is happening? I don't know. And the only reason I bring this up is because this is my own, we've talked about this before we, we I remember I asked everyone who listens to this program to email me and give me what has influenced your spiritual growth the most. I, I, of all, and I got a lot of emails. Not one person said the local church. Not one person said the local church. <laughs> Not one person. And I was like, that is utterly fascinating. But in my own Christian life. What was the thi- I, I talked about? My early discipleship. Where where was I discipled? Now you could say the older woman I met at the local church, but she discipled me outside of the local church, not part of any local church ministry. I just rode to her house on a bicycle and sat there on the floor, and she taught me about church history and theology. But where else did I where where, where else did I learn? It was online ministries. I've ta- I tell you, I've, I talked about it a million times. Afternoon, sitting there radio notebook bible and a pencil three notebooks chuck swindoll chuck smith macarthur swindoll taught me how to apply scripture chuck smith taught me absolutely nothing i don't think i ever wrote anything down in that notebook because i just oh me and chuck smith i don't know what it was there was just a disconnect there and macarthur taught me exegetical exposition that's where I learned, 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 learned. And then the Bible bookstore, where I learned I bought my first book was, you know, basically a systematic theology by James Montgomery Boyce that the older gentleman at that bookstore was absolutely instrumental in my Christian life. Years and years later, I got to meet him again and thank him. But I was a teenager walking and looking around, not knowing, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to get. I could have went over to the youth section. He was like, no, 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 no. He, he didn't treat me like I was just an idiot teenager. He hands me the foundations of the Christian faith by James Montgomery Boyce, a systematic theology. He's like, this is what you need. And I'm like, wow, utterly transformative. Other than that, Lutheran church, you know, talking to the pastor about Luther's catechism was very instrumental. But, you know, the preaching there, I starved to death. You know, the preaching was tw- 15, 20 minute once a week. I mean, you talk about uh, driving all the way to church, but they would be like, well, the focus is on the liturgy and the Lord's Supper. And, and OK. And so, yeah, so that 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 I starved to death there. Then the Bible Institute of my first church in Nebraska or my second church in Nebraska. That was a majorly formative. So that was somewhat local church, but it still wasn't within the local church ministry as far as like Sunday morning. Now I did learn a lot. I'll take it back. That, that, that was the first independent fundamental Baptist church I ever attended. I did learn a lot. I will give that church credit. That preaching was worth the drive. That preaching, he, uh, the pastor taught Sunday school right there in the sanctuary. It was good. Sunday morning, Wednesday nights, it, sometimes that, you know, It was more about, uh, yeah, that that was somewhat questionable, but it was still halfway decent. And Sunday night was great. So I, I did learn a lot. Maybe that's probably, I hate to say it now, as much as I ended up disagreeing with some of that theology and ended up having major conflict there, that I probably still was the best teaching I ever received inside a local church. But a lot of my growth always happened outside of the local church context. I mean, you say what, what? What was one of the biggest contributors of your growth when you were at a, uh, when you were a Christian in Nebraska? It was Family Radio. Back when Harold Camping was in charge of it, I know that that's a train wreck that turned into disaster and all of his false predictions of when the world was going to end. And he watching him unravel from like a conservative reform theology to I don't know what in the world that turned into. But his radio station was absolutely transformative to me. I had that thing on 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And now until it started unraveling. But before then, it was just, it was Bible reading. It was devotional thoughts. It was sermons. I mean, it's all, and hymns. It was just, it was just this place of learning. Once again, though, so it was more outside the church. I guess what I'm trying to say is when the church becomes basically a business that has to constantly replace its customer base with new customers in order to maintain the structure, the program, the ideas, and pay the bills, well, then ministry becomes secondary and programs become primary and people simply become the means to an end, which is maintaining the church. And so you just can't focus on ministry. Now, just think of what I can do when when I'm feeling great and everything's going well and I'm not having any health issues. I can just sit here day in, day out in front of this microphone and teach 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 and teach. I can sit here and someone emails me a question. I can turn on this microphone and answer it instantaneously. I don't know, but it's just to see that this is what a church has to do to maintain. They got to replace basically, I I think, was it 17? Got to replace 17 people every year to maintain, just to maintain. Was it 17 or was it 32? Hang on, let me look. I don't want to, it's numbers. Whenever it's numbers, I get numbers wrong. 32. So if a church of a hundred, they got to replace 32 people every year, just to maintain, just to maintain, because they're going to lose 32. That's crazy, and and there's no way to prevent that from becoming the focus. There's just no way. We got we got to keep going. We got to keep going. We got more people, more people, more people. Got to get 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 more people. Instead of like like for me, now I, I know the same thing can happen with a podcast. It can because you if you know. But I'm saying for me. I can just sit here and uh, just from an electronic perspective, right? I can just focus on, okay, we're going to do a Bible study exercise right now. See, we've done discernment. We've talked about the connection between discernment and conviction. Now we're talking about the di- connection between discernment and faith. There's a curriculum. Like we, I can do everything and then, and I mean, we can dig in and I don't have to worry about replacing Maybe I should. Maybe, maybe maybe the problem is I run my podcast like I do a church. It's like because even with the podcasting, I don't look at the numbers going. Oh, I got to replace so many per year to maintain my numbers as podcasting, or I have to figure out a way to move people from listeners to financial supporters. I don't I don't try to worry about any of that either. I don't try to worry about that at the church either. I don't I don't look at how much money comes in. I don't even look at it. the only the only numbers I know about money coming into the church is when people contribute to this ministry. Right? Electronically, right? When they go to theologycentral.net or sermons 2.0 or the Church One app and hit give, I, I do get an email saying, okay, so, because that money goes directly to the church, but I know that it came in for this podcast. So then if I need something for this podcast, or I'm like, hey, we just got this much money in for the podcast, I'm going to use it for this, you know, to buy a microphone stand or whatever the case may be. But uh, yeah, but I don't, I, don't, I don't even try to focus on that because I don't want to know. I don't want to know because then you're like, oh, we lost people. We got to get those people, we got to get someone back to replace the money. I can't, I can't focus on getting people back to replace the money. That that just seems to me not a church. That's how you do business. Oh man, we lost, we lost 10% of our customers. Okay, next year we got to get back to 20% so we can maintain our profit margins. I don't know. Love to get your thoughts on all of this news. if at yahoo.com news if at yahoo.com news if at yahoo.com I think that was interesting. You can tell me what you think. news if at yahoo.com news if at yahoo.com I may try to do some more broadcasting today. I'm feeling feeling a little bit better. Now we currently have a winter storm warning here in West Texas. They cancelled everything, even though really nothing has fallen from the sky yet <laughs> it's just cold it's like twenty one degrees and that, and they, they immediately shut the city down i I, I had just, just just a side note I had uh, some groceries delivered, and I opened the door, and the woman's like. And I'm grabbing the bags from her. And she's like, it's so cold out here. And I'm like, I know. She's like, do not go outside unless you have to. It's like, there's no ice. There's no snow. It's just cold. People in Texas are like, that's it. We cannot go outside. It is too cold. Shut everything down. So while everything is shut down, maybe I can do some uh, broadcasting this evening. We will see. We will see. We will see. We will see. All right. Newsif at yahoo.com. Newsif at yahoo.com. Thanks for listening. God bless.